Father, our, our words today have told you uh, that we need you, and we need you every hour. And Father, I would pray today that our hearts uh, would bow and would, would be humbled before you, and uh, that, Father, we would turn to you uh, to be our cornerstone, our all in all. And Father, today, I pray today uh, that today would be a day that uh, we would choose to be committed to you as our all in all, our Lord, our God, and our Savior. And we just ask that, Father, you would uh, not only just meet with us today, but, Father, that we would be confronted by you today. And today would be an experience uh, with you as holy God. And so, Father, we trust this to you, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning is the culmination of the last two months in our church's life. Uh, it is a time that we set aside uh, to draw near to God. That God would bring us to the place in our lives that we love Him with all of our hearts, that we obey His voice fully, and that we serve Him with our whole life. That has been the intent to what we have gone through the last several months. I trust and I hope that you have uh, taken this time to evaluate your own spiritual uh, journey and where you are and to seek the face of God, uh, to ask God to draw your heart back to Him. Our words are very significant. I've said this uh, sporadically through the last two months, that our words are very significant. What we say with our mouth. And today, there are some things that need to be said by me and by you as a culmination of the last two months. Uh, you see, the truth is that our covenant that we have with God is a covenant that must be renewed. When I talk about a covenant between us and God, what I mean is that 
there was almost what we would think of as a contract in terms of today. And that God said, I will be your God. I will be your Savior. I will be your Lord. I will be your provider. I will be your all in all. And what that was God's side of the covenant. And our side of the covenant, and we've seen it throughout the book of Deuteronomy, even in Exodus, Deuteronomy, Joshua. We've seen it even in part in our life group lesson in Judges today is that we would love God with all of our heart, that we would obey His voice fully, and that we would, we would serve Him with our whole life. That's our part. God has a part. We have a part. And, and here's, here's the deal. This is what the last two months has been about. Our hearts tend to drift away from what it is that God called us to. God is still God. And God is still faithful to His part of the covenant, His side of the covenant. And He always will be. He will be true whether we are not true. But these last two months is about us saying, my heart needs to be drawn back so that I can live out my part of the covenant and, and the truth that I said before you is that the covenant must be renewed. There are times that even though we made promises and commitments to God, that because our hearts drift, there are times that we must have the covenant, that arrangement, that agreement, that relationship with God set before us. And we must renew the covenant. There are things that need to be said today by me and by you. When we come to the final chapter in the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, we see in the scriptures that Joshua comes to the end of his journey. He is 110 years old. He is, as the scripture says, is about to go the way of all men. He's about to die. For 30 years he has been the leader of God's people. God gave Joshua a task. We've even talked about Joshua was called to lead the people to higher ground, the higher ground of the promised land. And he has led them across the Jordan and in the military conquest time frame. And then he has divided out the land and he has sent the people. Not only that, you know what? <laughs> Joshua, as a man, as an individual, has gone to his own place that God promised to him, and he's taken that land, even as Caleb did. Joshua, for these 30 years, has been the man of God, and he's led God's people in faith, in his own personal life, and he comes to the end. And there are some things that need to be said by Joshua. I mean, this is the old man almost on his deathbed that says, everybody come here because I got a few things I need to say before I'm gone. It's not in our, we're going to start in verse 14, but in verse 1, 
just so you'll understand the context, it says, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And here's the phrase that gets me. And they presented themselves before God. Joshua says, I want everybody to get back to Shechem. Do you remember the significance of Shechem? They crossed the Jordan River. They take the city of Jericho. They eventually take the city of Ai. And they go, and God says, go to between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And that's the city of Shechem. And he says, I want you to build an altar there. We saw that in one of the sermons several weeks ago. As soon as you get a foothold into the promised land, I want you to go smack dab in the middle of this place, and I want you to build me an altar so that you know that the worship of me, God, is the very center part. That heart relationship is about the center of everything that you are about and the very center of this land. Thirty years have passed. In fact, it says several times in Joshua that God did everything that he told Joshua he would do Joshua comes to the end of his life, and he says, I want everybody gathering up, and you know where we're going to go? We're going to go to that altar that we built 30 years ago, and we're going to meet with God. Partly in, in my spirit and in my mind as a pastor, um, this last two months has been just about this that we're going to present ourselves before God. And there are some things that need to be said. Notice what Joshua says. Now, I'm not even reading verses. He starts in verse 2. but and he, So we're picking up at verse 14. And Joshua says, as the people are gathered there at Shechem, and, and look at it closely as we read it. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. And in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which our fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, 
for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Joshua and the children of Israel renew the covenant with the Lord their God. They had made the covenant and renewed the covenant several times. They had made the covenant at Mount Sinai. Forty years after they wandered in the wilderness, when they came to Moses' life, there's a, there's a historical statement just like this at the end of Deuteronomy where Moses says, no, I want to remind you what the covenant is, and you choose this day whom you will serve. And they, they renewed the covenant before Moses died. They go to Shechem after they get in the promised land, just days after that, and they renewed the covenant that they had made with God. And now 30 years of conquest and settlement of the land had passed. And you know, I think part of the significance of it is, is a new generation had risen, arose. My English is leaving me. There was a new generation. 30 years. Joshua, the servant of the Lord, is about to die. And it's almost the old man saying, by golly, before I'm gone out of here, <laughs> we're going to have a family meeting. And I'm going to remind you what God has done for us and what the covenant, the commitment we had made to him. And by golly, we're going to make it again. And you're going to have to speak it with your mouth. There are some things that need to be said. And the verses we didn't read in verses 2 through 13, Joshua goes through the history of what God had done in his people's life. The old man recounting the history. You see, part of what needed to be said that day was what had happened in the past. What God had done. There were things about the past that need to be expressed that day. All that God had done, Joshua spoke it. That was very significant. It's not only that Joshua spoke it, but also Israel, in their response to Joshua, they speak it with their own mouths. 
In verses 16 and 17 and 18, notice that they recount this, what God has done. Verse 16, so the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Here it is. For the Lord our God is He who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites, who dwelt in the land. And their response to that is, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God, considering all that God has done. I think Joshua has that same kind of thought after verses 2 through 13 as he's recounting the history. When he comes to verse 14, he says, Now, therefore, and I think the force of that is considering all that God has done in the past. There is something that God calls us to in the days ahead. And it's important that there were things that were said that day about the past of all that God had done and that it was spoken. But you know, a lot of the verses that are in here that we've read are things about the future. The future tense. They will say, we will do this. And I think when we go back to verse 14... When Joshua says, now, therefore, and as I said earlier, the, the sense of that is considering all that God has done for us. And the, what is the point? The point is Joshua and the people are with their own mouth saying God has been a good God. God has lived up according to His side of the covenant. That's the sense of all that's been said. God called you out. He said He was going to give you land. He said He was going to bless you. And He was going to do all these things. And we have seen God do that and we've told it with our own lips. God has been faithful to His part of the covenant. The contract. The therefore in verse 14 is then, well, what should we then do? And He says, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in in Egypt, serve the Lord. In these verses that we've read, verses 14 through 25, there's one word that is repeated 14 times, and it is the word serve. I mean, it's said over and over. Joshua says it, the people say it, they say it again. Sometimes it refers to serving the one true God. You read it closely, sometimes it refers to serving the gods of the pagans where they had been called out of their lands. There are some things that needed to be said that day about the future. And the future was that we would serve God with all of our life. And that word serve is an active word. It is a word that, duh, refer <laughs> I looked it up. It took me a while. I'm not really a Hebrew guy. I went, wait a second. Okay, no, I have a Hebrew Bible up here. Let me get it out. No, Jesus, you're going to have to help me here because <laughs> I don't remember my Hebrew. And I'm thinking, what is that word? Mm, 
You know, the Hebrew Bible even starts from the right and goes back. And so I'm like opening it up the wrong way and go, oh, okay, that's right. Oh, I forgot that. That was the first day. It's, oh, it's going to start on this side and go that way. Okay. Oh, look. Hmm. Look at these letters. Oh. I didn't call in Byron. No. I found the word. After all of that search, you know what it means? It means to serve a master like a servant would serve a master. Going, oh, that was profound. But I don't know. I'm thinking after all that search, surely, God, there had to be more to it. No, that's it. There is a master and there is a servant. And the service that that servant gives to that master is this word, serve. What is it? God is our master. Serve him. Whatever he asks you to do, you just do it. And that was, that was the call to commitment to the future. The danger that is laced throughout these scriptures, though, is that they would serve other gods, even idols, what we might refer to today as substitutes for God. It may have been the gods that Abraham's family from Ur of the Chaldeans, that's the gods of the peoples beyond the river, as it's said a couple times in this, or the gods of Egypt, or the gods where they had been slaves for 430 years, or the gods of the Amorites and the Canaanites of, in whose land they dwelt. The danger for the future is that they would serve other gods. If you're of my generation, I don't know. This may not be under edification. I really think years ago, in the 1970s, the old rocker Bob Dylan got saved. I'm not sure about that. I'm not verifying it. I'm not saying his, book, his name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't quote me on that one. This is kind of my memory. And Bob Dylan sang a song. I don't know if he wrote it. He said, you're going to serve somebody. You may serve the devil or you may serve the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. Can I get a witness this morning? All right. A few of y'all of my generation said, yeah, no, brother, there, I was, I was around. I'd made it through the 60s, and I was in the 70s, and I was cleared up in my mind again. You're going to serve somebody. You may serve the devil, you may serve the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. And the fear for the future was that they wouldn't serve the one true God, they would serve the God of the peoples where they had lived or were presently living and that's the reason joshua says in verses 19 and 20 after they said that we will serve the lord for he is our god <laughs> joshua just goes off you think you take the people at their word no joshua says in verse 19 you cannot serve the lord for he is a holy god he is a jealous God. I don't know this morning if I can even communicate the significance of those words. Our God is a holy God. He is a jealous God. 
You know what I think Joshua was communicating to the people? It's people you don't understand the commitment that you are making. Because God is a holy God. And if you think you can only go part way with the holy God, it doesn't work like that. No, you have to go all the way. He's a holy God. He's not a God you can add to your other gods. No. Not only is he a holy God, he's a jealous God. If you think you can add this God to some other God in your life and live it and it's going to be okay, you got another thing coming because our God is a holy God and he's a jealous God. And he wants preeminence in our life. He he doesn't want just some of us. He wants all of us. And God's not willing for, for you to come part way to do better than most and say, well, that's all right. No, God is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He requires our whole heart, total obedience. He wants us to serve Him with all of our life. That is the standard of a holy God. Holy God does not lower His standards to meet the standards of the day. No, He's holy God. He's a jealous God. If you, if your heart goes away from Him and serves other things, God is a jealous God. He is going to discipline you. That was the Sunday school lesson this morning. You cannot serve the Lord. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. There were some things that needed to be said about the future. Who the people would serve. There were some things they said about that needed to be said about the past. And there were some things they've said about the future. But here's the point. Between the past and the future is today. And Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. We can talk about the past and all that God has done on His side of the covenant. We can talk about commitments that we can make for the future. But right in the middle of those is simply today. And today is all we had, we have. And today is a day of decision, a call to commitment. Joshua didn't set these things before them and say, I want you to go off and I want you to think about these things. Joshua said, no, today we're going to make some kind of decision here. You may serve the gods of the places you've come come from, or you may serve the Lord, but you're going to have to make a commitment today. As God is your witness, as as you have presented yourself before God, you must make a decision today. A choice must be made choose you this day whom you will serve and then those words that we all know joshua 24 15 joshua says i'm not asking you to do anything that i haven't done myself and our decision has already been made but as for me and my house we will serve the lord you make your choice whatever you need to do 
but me and mine, we've already decided. And the commitment has been made. We will serve the Lord as a servant serves a master. God will be our master. The people speak it with their mouths. Verse 21, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. They said it with their mouth. And Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. And Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. Today is the day. Is a day of decision. And in Joshua's day, the covenant was renewed and it was signed by their words. We would think of a contract today as signed by our signature. But it's, it's like old time where somebody said, No, I'm giving you my word, a handshake. No, I'm giving you my word. It's a contract comes from these days no you will sign your covenant your contract by your words that you speak out of your mouth we will serve the lord for us as a church god has called me as your pastor to lead us to higher ground We started back in January. We intensified that in the month of February. And as we come to the culmination of these two months, we come to this time, there are some things that need to be said. Some things that need to be said about the past where God has brought us. If you just think about the last month and what God has led us through in our life group lessons. We started with a lesson that could have easily been entitled, Where Are You? And we talked about spiritual markers and we took a timeline and we began to to denote events in which God had worked in our lives and any of, of us that are children of God, one of those points was our salvation experience in which God had made a covenant through Jesus Christ with us. What was God's side of the covenant? That He would be our God. He would be our Savior. He would be our Lord. He would be our Master. He would be our Provider. He would be our all in all. That's what God promised us through Jesus Christ, His Son, when He called us into a relationship with Him. We have asked you to spend some time honestly saying, where am I in my spiritual journey? And we did that 
through the spiritual markers four weeks ago. Three weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, we talked about God's standard of, of a heart relationship with the story of Hosea and Gomer and that God's standard is that we would love Him with all of our hearts. You see, if we're evaluating where we are, we need to understand what the measurements are. And a holy and jealous God says, no, I want all of you. I want you to love me with all your heart. In fact, that's the starting point, is a heart relationship with Him. We talked about in that, that third week, I guess last Sunday, the story of Achan from the book of Joshua about the consequences of sin, that sin saps us from life. And that when I live life on my own and I depart from God, that there are serious consequences not only for me personally, but for us corporately. And then this Sunday we've looked at the spiritual cycle in Judges chapter 2 and at the very center of that lesson is not only the thought that God disciplines His children, but also the point of this morning's life group lesson was we'll have to make a choice. The choice to continue in our own way and to continue to experience the discipline of God or to turn our hearts back to God and when we turn our hearts back to God and we cry out to Him, we find a God that forgives and restores and empowers. Each one of those lessons, and you throw in the sermons for the last two months, have led us to this point. That are, that are, those are some things that need to be said about the past. There are also things that need to be said about the future. What is it that God calls us to? God calls us to love us, love Him with all of our hearts, to obey His voice fully, and to serve Him with our whole life. That is the I will statement. That is my statement related to the future. And just like the children of Israel, and we need to get this point, is that what that says is there can be no substitutes for God. See, I would like to use the, term, the word idols. And what the Scriptures say, no, there doesn't need to be any idols in your life. The problem is when I use the word idols, you're going to dismiss that and go, oh, we don't have, I don't have any idols in my life. I don't, well, you would even say, I don't have any gods, other gods in my life. <sighs> but any time with our lives we serve something else other than the one true God, that thing, that pursuit is our idol. It is our God. It is something that we have loved 
instead of loving God. And our hearts have departed. And we've served other gods. You see, we're far too sophisticated in the United States to have idols in our homes. But you watch the way we live our lives and it denotes that there are other gods. And what we do is we compartmentalize, and this is what the world teaches us to do, not what God teaches us to do, this is what the world teaches us to do, is to compartmentalize our faith. This is the little, this is the private part of my life. This is my faith. I believe in God in this little box. And I say with my mouth, I love Him. And He is my Savior. But this is a little box in my life. This is an area of my life that is compartmentalized. And I, you know, the world teaches us to do this. We've responded to the world by this because what the world says is, no, religion is a part of your private life. You shouldn't bring that into the public realm. And you know what? They, they lie to themselves and says, no, you can't bring religion into, in the, into the public realm. But when they've said that, they've made a faith statement, a statement of their system of belief, of their philosophy of life. Everybody has some belief system that makes truth assertions. And what they ask us as Christians is don't bring your religion into the public realm, but that very statement is a statement of their religion. And they're saying, no, my religion can be here, political correctness. And really, what it, even if you worship yourself, it is a religion. It's not much of a God, quite honestly. I'm sorry, that was tacky. It's true. You see, humanism and our world has just taught us to worship ourselves and our own fulfillment, pleasures, power, desires, all those things. Oh, it, it's a system of belief. It's a philosophy of life. It's a worldview. But what they say is, no, Christians, you can't bring yours in. And what we want you to do, and we've done this, then we've put our faith in a little box over here. It's a, it's a compartment of our a life. Jesus didn't come to be a part of our lives. He came to be our life. Jesus is not to be in your life. He is to be your life. Jesus wants to be integrated into my whole life. I am not to be one thing here and another thing at work tomorrow morning. No, Jesus is integrated in every aspect of my life. I am a Christian. It is the way I see the world. It is the way that I live. It is the Lord that I serve with my whole life. He is my all in all. He is not a part of my life. He is my everything. He is my life. You know, one verse in the Old Testament, actually the first commandment of the Big Ten, is you shall have no other gods before me. And you know, the reality is, is we can look at that list and you can ask people about that list. None of us in this room can get past the first commandment without being guilty as charged. Guilty before a holy God because there are, there are other things that are gods in our life. Other things that we serve. Jesus put it this way. He said, you cannot serve two masters. 
No, you can't, you can't go to work for two people in the same time frame. And this boss man says, hey, I need you to go do this. And this boss man says, hey, I need you to go do this. They're competing. You got to choose who you're going to serve. I want to make it very clear this morning that what needs to be said about the future is God wants us to love him with all of our hearts, obey his voice fully, and to serve him with our whole life. But you know, just like the Israelites in Joshua's day, Joshua 24, smack dab between the past and the future is today. And today is the day of decision. Today, now, in this room, in your life, a decision will be made of whom you will serve. And as your leader, and you know, we've talked about this, in the month of January, as I got before God as your pastor, and I am giving spiritual supervision of you, whether you like it or not. Whether you agree with me or not. I cannot live based upon your expectations of me. My expectations have to come from someone higher. And it has to be God's expectations. And what God said to me is that for this time, this season in our life, we have to be called back to Him. I don't know what you've done with the last two months. But you know what? One thing I can say with Joshua, as for me and my house, no, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what's happened in your life in the last two months. I've shared this testimony with several people. Let me tell you, there's been renewal at the pastor's house. But I, I, I don't really think, you can talk to my wife about that. I'm not just blowing smoke up here. I know I blow smoke. She doesn't blow smoke. I can't believe, and it's enough for me, if this two months has just been about us. But I think there has to be something more to it than that. That God said, no, call my people back into a heart relationship with me. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And I'm this morning, I'm going to put three statements up on the screen. I will love God with all my heart. I will obey His voice fully. And I will serve the Lord with my whole life. I believe that encompasses the commitment that God calls us to make. In Joshua's day, they signed the covenant verbally with their word. And this morning, I ask you to do the same thing. I want you to look at those words. I'm not asking you to say anything 
that you of your own heart don't want to say. In fact, if that's not your commitment, I don't want you saying it. But as God is your witness today, as we have been brought before God, and we have spent the last eight weeks drawing near to God, as your spiritual leader, I say, everybody in the, everyone in this room is going to make a decision today. You're going to decide whom you're going to serve. And if your commitment is that, yes, this is my commitment, this is my side of the covenant, that God has been faithful to me, and He's been my God, and He's been my Savior, He's been my provider, He's been my Lord, He's been my all in all. And God, I, as God is my witness, this is my verbal commitment to Him. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. I'm going to say a sentence. And I want you to say it out loud. There's something significant about the words that we say out loud, out of our mouth. And if this is your heart, then I ask you to repeat, and this is your commitment today, I ask you to repeat it. I will love God with all my heart. I will obey his voice fully. I will serve the Lord with my whole life. Father, today you have heard out of the mouths of your people the commitment that they have made this day. Father, we pray for the strength to live that out from this day forward for the rest of our lives until you take us home. Father, we pray that you would be honored, that you would be blessed, and that the world would see people whose faith is impacting their whole life. Just as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, for some of you today, there needs to be more there's a step of obedience. Maybe you said that with your mouth. But there is a step. Maybe it is to make public a decision to say, no, I will follow Christ with my life. And you've never, you've never taken that step of faith or you've taken that step and you've never made it public. We're going to ask you to come. There may be some other decision that you need to make. Maybe it's to follow the Lord in believer's baptism just as Allie has done publicly. The words of her mouth. I don't know all that needs to happen today, but I know for some of you, and the, obviously the altar is always open for you to come and pray, but for some of you, there needs to be a step of obedience that, set, that there's something that God has done in your life and wants to do in your life, and He says, no, you need to make that public. Byron and I will be at the front as Shane leads us.